Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. John the Baptizer. What person living today do you think looks the most like John the Baptizer? Don't look to your right or left. We're not trying to, you know. Who do you think today, living, looks the most like you think John the Baptizer would have looked? Let's throw out some possibilities. How about... uh, How about Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty? Raise your hand if you could see John the Baptizer looking like Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty. Raise your hand high. Some of you are kind of, well, I don't know if I want to raise my hand or not. Raise it high. I mean, have some courage there. Okay. All right. So a lot of people think that uh, Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty could be a modern-day John the Baptizer. Or how about this? Tim Tebow. Anybody think Tim Tebow looks like John the Baptizer? Raise your hand if you think Tim Tebow. Not a soul. What about that? How many of you think that uh, Phil Robertson would be a better John the Baptizer than Tim Tebow? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I can. How about this? A long-haired, bearded Brad Pitt. How many of you think that the long-haired, bearded Brad Pitt looks like Looks like John the Baptizer, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, four, five, five, I saw that, Huey. Five, five people. Huey voted for Brad Pitt, John, just want to register that for you. How many of you, between, uh, between Brad Pitt and uh, Phil Robertson for John the Baptizer, if you think Brad Pitt is a better John the Baptizer, raise your hand. I'm talking about how they look, Sister James. Get with the program. God, what in the world? How they look. How they look. John, uh, Brad Pitt for John the Baptizer. All right, put that hand. Phil Robertson for John the Baptizer. Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Can't believe you asked that question. Honestly. Ah, really. Yeah. Right. Let's have another one up here. Oh, the sweet-looking guy who has R.J. McDaniel and Chris Parker's haircut. How about that? How about that? You see him? How many of you think that he could be a modern-day John the Baptizer? Raise your hand. Nobody. Nobody. All right. Uh, one more here. Uh, Hank Williams, Jr. How about Hank Williams, Jr.? If you think that Hank Williams, Jr. could be a good John the Baptizer, modern-day John the Baptizer, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Three, three people, three people. So uh, is it safe to say that Phil Robertson is the winner among those up there? I'm going to tell you, there's one other one. There's one other one that's going to take the cake, I'm telling you. And here it is. Yes. (laughs) Jeremy Miller is definitely a modern-day cross between John the Baptizer and maybe a little Richard Simmons-ish, I guess, you know? It's kind of a John the Baptizer, Richard Simmons look. You agree with that, Miss Sarah? Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. 
He doesn't know that's up there. He's going to kill me later. Yes, he is. He really is. Yeah. John the baptizer. He was a cousin of Jesus. You can go ahead and flip to the next slide. We can only look at that so long, Danielle. I call him the wild man from off. From off. He came out of the desert, out of the wilderness, out from nowhere. Probably spent most of his days near the Dead Sea in a pretty desert terrain. Uh, we don't know exactly, we don't, there, there are no photographs or artist renderings of John the, the baptizer that, that came from the first century. This, of course, is an actor, and I think probably uh, John the baptizer looked a lot like this fellow. This fellow may be a little bit more uh, clean cut than John the baptizer was. John the baptizer had long knotted hair. He had uh, uh, a camel leather for his uh, attire. And he ate grasshoppers. I realize there's some debate as to whether those locusts were really grasshoppers. I believe they were grasshoppers. I believe he had grasshopper breath. So, you know, I don't know what that would smell like, but I don't think I'd like it. But he was from off. You know, people have, there there are two different uh, extreme ranges of opinion about people from off. Some people are of the opinion that anybody from off is an expert. You know, if I want to bring in somebody who uh, I really want folks, some folks to be impressed with, I mean, I I can just bring in somebody from off. And they think, well, that person must be an expert. They came from off. And then there are other people who are suspicious of anybody who's from off. You know, that's an outsider. We don't know who they are. We, We don't want to listen to them. And so you have these two different extreme opinions about uh, people from off. John the baptizer was from off, and some folks liked him, and some folks couldn't stand him. We find uh, one version of John the Baptist's uh, life in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and that's where we will look for our text. John chapter 1, we'll read verses 6 through 8, and then verses 19 through 28. John the baptizer was a newspaper boy proclaiming that Jesus is coming. John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify. Let me just stop right there. Witness, that's the Greek word martyrion. Martyrion. To testify, testify. Martyrio. Did you hear that? A martyrion to martyrio. He came as a witness to witness. A witness to testify concerning that light, that would be Jesus, so that through him, Jesus, all might believe. Now John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness, a martyrion, to the light. Verse 19, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, quote, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, the Pharisees who had 
been sent, question him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. I doubt seriously that we will find in Scripture a more unusual character than John the baptizer. Came out of nowhere. He looked like nobody else. He preached like nobody's business. And he was sent here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to point the entire world to Jesus. He did that, and he died by execution. John the baptizer. Frederick Buckner said this about him. He says, John the Baptist didn't fool around. He lived in the wilderness around the Dead Sea. He subsisted on a starvation diet. So did his disciples. He wore clothes that even the rummage sale people wouldn't have handled. In other words, the folks, the the clothes that goodwill throw away, that's what John the baptizer wore. When he preached, Buckner says, it was fire and brimstone every time. The kingdom was coming all right, he said, but if you thought it was going to be pink tea, you better think again. If you didn't shape up, God would give you the axe like an elm with the blight or toss you into the incinerator like chaff. John the baptizer. He was a black and white, come straight at you, full throttle, type A, aggressive, take charge, individual. He knew no in-betweens. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John the Baptist is a prophet who called people to repent, to turn around. You're going in one direction, repent, which means turn around and head in another direction and do this in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. That is Matthew, Mark, and Luke's version of John the baptizer. In the Gospel of John, a little bit different. For the most part in the Gospel of John, all John does is point people to Jesus. But I would have to say this. In John's Gospel, we learn not so much what John the Baptist was and who John the Baptist was, but John really focuses on who John the Baptist was not. Who are you? I am not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? I am not Elijah. You must be the prophet. I am not the prophet. Well, who are you? And why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or Isaiah or the prophet? Who are you? I am not all of those, any of those. Well, who are you? I'm a voice. I'm a newspaper boy shouting out on my bicycle early in the morning, extra, extra, read all about it. God is coming. This is John the baptizer. And it's interesting when we look at John's, John the gospel writer's version of John the baptizer. In essence, our text today can be summed up in four single statements. And here are these statements. First, God sent a man named John. Talking about John the baptizer. That's verse 6. 
Second, this John, the baptizer, came for testimony to bear witness to the light, the light who is Jesus. Third, the aim of this testimony was that everybody who heard him would believe. And then fourth, this John, the baptizer, made it crystal clear that he himself was not that light. Now, just focus on those four things about John the Baptist that we learn in John's gospel. He was a man named John that God sent to be a witness. The aim of this witness was to point people to the light who is Jesus so that those to whom uh, those who are pointed to the light by John would believe. And then John made it clear that he himself was not the light. Anytime anybody tried to focus the light on John, he pulled it was like he pulled out a mirror and deflected that light back toward Jesus. Every time. Very unique personality, this person, John the Baptist. Now, what I want you to notice about these four things is this. What John's gospel says to us about John the baptizer, God wants to be true about you and me. And so let's take these four things, these four descriptions about John the Baptist, and let's apply them as God would like to have them applied to our own lives. What should be true of me and you? First of all, John's life teaches us that God calls and sends out people to be witnesses. Verse 6, there was a man, there was a person sent from God. And incidentally, his name happened to be John. The most important part of verse 6, the sentence that is verse 6, is not his name was John, but that there was a man, a person, sent from God. That's the most important part of verse 6. God calls and sends out people to be witnesses. He did it with John the baptizer when John was in the desert. He does it today with me and you. God is still in the witness sending business. Now, the second thing that you'll notice here is that God not only calls and sends out people to be witnesses, but he calls and sends out people to bear witness to the light. The light. I've capitalized the word light there. It was my choice to do so. And that's because this is not just some ordinary light that John is speaking of. This is not a flashlight. It's not a candlelight. It's not even sunlight or tungsten light or fluorescent light or a flashlight. I don't capitalize any of those lights. This is the light who in John's gospel, he, he, he uses this term to refer to Jesus Christ, the Light. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he also called him the light of the world. And so John the Baptist was a person whom God called and sent out to bear witness, not to who John was, but to the light who is the capitalized light who is Jesus. God today calls people to bear witness to the light, capital L, 
He's still doing that. In fact, you want to know something that's true about you? I'm assuming you already knew this, but just in case you didn't, let me just say this. Are you, are you ready? You got your ears pointed this way? Hello? He's called you to be a witness to the light. You. Oh, he hasn't called me. Yeah, you. Oh, not me. Yeah, you. He's called you to bear witness to the light. Number three, God sends out people to bear witness to the light. Why? So that all might believe. There's a purpose to God sending us to be witnesses to the light. There's a purpose. There's a reason that God has called you and you and you and me and you all. And the reason is that we would bear witness to the light so that the people we know, the people with whom we come in contact, the people God places along our pathway so that those people, all of them, might believe. How many of you are going to spend some time in the next couple of weeks with family? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now, as you're sitting here, I don't want you to say anything, but I want you to think about this. Think about the people who you will spend Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or Christmas time with. Are you thinking about them? Hello? How many of them are saved? How many of them know personally the Jesus whose birth we're celebrating. Now, if you're like many of us in this room, you probably think, well, most of them are saved. There may be a few people in here, and I would dare say it's going to be a few who are going to say, well, to my knowledge, all of them are saved. But more than likely, in your family, as is the case in my family, There are those who are not saved. Guess what? Those people whom you will see this Christmas who are not saved are among those that God has said and is saying to you, I'm placing you responsible for making sure that that person or persons comes to believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you willing to own up to that responsibility? Are you? Don't tell me you're not responsible for them. Because you don't have a biblical leg to stand on if you say that. We are responsible for them. Some of you had work outings, that you've already had work outings. You've spent Christmas parties with the people that you work with. Some of you, how many of you have already done some of that? Raise your hand. How many of you will do some of that? Raise your hand. Most people just don't work. (laughs) You aren't working? I guess. Not working. I bet most of the people at your staff party, at your company party, are lost. That's a bet that I'm willing to make. You know why I'm willing to make that? 
I'm going to make that because 65% of the population of Georgia is unsaved. 65% of the population of Georgia is not saved. And so if your company or whoever you work with, if it's like an average group, then the majority of them are lost. Oh, I'm not going to witness to those. I'm not going to do that. Really? Can you afford not to? Really? You're the John the Baptist in your company. You're the John the Baptist in your family. You're the John the Baptist on your street. Yes, you are. Now, I wouldn't go out and encourage you to go out and eat grasshoppers. I'd encourage you to use mouthwash and everything. But you are John the Baptist on your street and wherever you live. Finally, the witnesses God sends out must resist the temptation to act as though they themselves are that light. You see, that's the, temp- that, that's the temptation that all of us who are witnesses must resist. And, and the, more, uh, the more outgoing your personality, the more type A your personality, the more you're going to have to resist this because your inclination, yes, yours and my inclination, is to try to shed as much light on ourselves if not more, than what we do on him. John the baptizer had every opportunity for the spotlight to stay, to stay glued on himself. Are you the Messiah? Well, I know I look like the Messiah. John could have said, but he didn't. Are you Elijah? He could actually have said, Yeah, even Jesus said he was Elijah. But he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Was John a prophet? Most uh, theologians say that John was the last of the prophets. So he could have said yes. But he didn't. He had every opportunity to keep the spotlight shining on himself. But every time people tried to... placed the spotlight on John, he threw up this gigantic mirror that deflected all of the light to the real light who was Jesus. And like John, we must resist the ever-present temptation to say, shine it on me. And we must deflect that attention so that it shines on Jesus. I was recently reading an article by uh, Dr. John Piper, who's a pastor up in Minnesota. He was talking about John the baptizer, and he actually was talking about this very text. And he said, he said, there are two things that we need to take away from this text. Two words. The word necessity and the word not. Necessity and not And somebody said, what in the world do you mean? He said, it is a necessity that we be a witness who testifies. And he said, we must not focus on ourselves. There is the necessity and there is the not of being John the baptizer. You see, it's a hard deal. To be vocal, promoting Jesus, 
and yet at the same time diminish your own significance in the process. Can you do that? You need to learn how to do that. You and I need to learn how to do that. You know why? Because God is calling you to do just that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are calling, you're calling everybody in this building to be a marturion who marturios. You're calling everybody in this building to be a witness who testifies to the light, capital L, so that everybody may believe the reason. And yet at the same time, you call us to diminish our own importance in the process. Lord, help us to embrace the necessity of our being a witness. And help us to say not to the temptation to be the focus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.